Hello, and welcome to Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, the podcast. Written by Eliezer Yudkowsky, read by Ineash Brodsky, based on the works of J.K. Rowling. Continuation of Chapter 122, Something to Protect, Hermione Granger. The sky had gone full blue-gray, dawn barely short of sunrise, by the time that Harry heard the sound of footsteps coming from the ladder that opened into his new office. Hastily, Harry stood up and began to brush off his robes, and then, realizing what he was doing, stopped the nervous motions. He'd just defeated Voldemort, damn it. He ought not to be this nervous. The young witch's head and chestnut curls appeared in the opening and peered around. Then she rose up higher, seemed almost to run up the ladder steps, like she was walking along an ordinary sidewalk but vertically. Harry could have blinked and missed it, how her one shoe came down on the top rung of the ladder, and then she leapt lightly onto the roof an instant later. Hermione. Harry's lips moved around the word, but made no sound. There'd been something Harry had meant to say, but it had gone right out of his mind. Maybe a quarter of the minute passed, on the rooftop, before Hermione Granger spoke. She was wearing a blue-edged uniform now, and the blue-bronze striped tie of her proper house. Harry, said Hermione Granger, a terribly familiar voice that almost brought tears to Harry's eyes. Before I ask you all the questions, I'd like to start by saying thank you very much for, um, whatever it is you did. I mean it really. Thank you. Hermione, Harry said, and swallowed. The phrase, may I have permission to hug you, which Harry had imagined using for his opening line, seemed impossible to say. Welcome back. Hold on while I put up some privacy spells. Harry took the Elder Wand out of his robes, got a book from his pouch that he opened to a bookmark, and then carefully pronounced, Hominum Revelio along with two other recently acquired security charms that Harry had found himself barely able to cast if he wielded the Elder Wand. It wasn't much, but it was marginally better security than just relying on Professor Vector. You have Dumbledore's wand. Her voice was hushed and sounded as loud as an avalanche in the still dawn air. And you can use it to cast fourth-year spells? Harry nodded, making a mental note to be more careful who else saw him do that. Is it okay if I hug you? Hermione moved lightly over to him. Her movements were peculiarly swift, more graceful than they'd been before. Her motions seemed to radiate an air of something pure and untouched, reminding Harry again of how peaceful Hermione had looked when she was sleeping on Voldemort's altar. Realization hit Harry like a ton of bricks, or at least a kilogram of brick. And Harry hugged Hermione, feeling how very alive she seemed. He felt like crying and suppressed it, because he didn't know whether that was just her aura affecting him or not. Hermione's arms around him were gentle, exceedingly light in their pressure, as if she were being deliberately careful not to snap his body in half like a used toothpick. So, Hermione said, once Harry had let go of her. Her young face looked very serious, as well as pure and innocent. 
I didn't tell the Aurors you were there, or that it was Professor Quarrel and not you-know-who who killed all the Death Eaters. Professor Flitwick only let them give me one drop of Veritaserum, so I didn't have to say. I just told them the troll was the last thing I remembered. Ah. Harry had somehow found himself staring at Hermione's nose instead of her eyes. What do you think happened, exactly? Well, I got eaten by a troll, which I'd frankly rather not do again. And then there was a really loud bang, and my legs were back. And I was lying on a stone altar in the middle of a graveyard in a dark moonlit forest I'd never seen before, with somebody's severed hands clutched around my throat. So you see, Mr. Potter, finding myself in a situation that weird and dark and scary, I wasn't going to make the same mistake I did last time with Tracy. I knew right away that it was you. Harry nodded. Good call. I said your name, but you didn't answer. I sat up and one of the bloody hands slid down over my shirt, leaving little bits of flesh behind. I didn't scream, though, even when I looked around and saw the heads and bodies and realized what the smell was. Hermione stopped, took another deep breath. I saw the skull masks and realized that the dead people had been Death Eaters. I knew right away that the defense professor had been there with you and killed them all, but I didn't notice Professor Quirrell's body was also there. I didn't realize it was him even when I saw Professor Flitwick checking the body. He looked different when he was dead. Hermione's voice became quieter. She looked humbled somehow, in a way Harry couldn't often remember seeing. They said David Monroe sacrificed his life to bring me back, the same way your mother sacrificed herself for you, so that the Dark Lord would explode again when he tried to touch me. I'm pretty sure that's not the whole truth, but... I've thought a lot of nasty things about her defense professor that I never should have thought. Um... Hermione nodded solemnly, her hands clasped in front of her as though in penitence. I know you're probably too nice to say the things to me that you have a right to say now, so I'll say them for you, Harry. You were right about Professor Quirrell, and I was wrong. You told me so. David Monroe was a little bit dark and a whole lot Slytherin, and it was childish of me to think that that was the same thing as being evil. Ah... This was very hard to say. Actually, the rest of the world doesn't know this part, not even the headmistress. But, in point of fact, you were 112% correct about him being evil. And I'll remember for future reference that although dark and evil may not technically be the same thing, there's a great big statistical correlation. Oh... Hermione fell silent again. You're not going to say you told me so? His mental model of Hermione was yelling, I told you so! Didn't I tell you so, Mr. Potter? Didn't I tell you? Professor Quirrell is evil, I said, but you didn't listen to me! The actual Hermione just shook her head. I know you cared about him a lot. Since I was right after all, I knew you'd probably be hurting a lot after Professor Quirrell turned out to be evil and that wouldn't be a good time to say I told you so. I mean, that's what I decided when I was thinking that part through several months earlier. Thank you, Miss Granger. Harry was glad she'd said that much, though. It just wouldn't have felt like Hermione otherwise. So, Mr. Potter, said Hermione Granger, tapping her fingers on her robes at a round thigh level. After the Mediwitch drew my blood, it stopped hurting right away, and when I brushed away the little bit of blood on my arm, I couldn't find where the needle had poked me. I bent some of the metal in my bed frame without trying hard, and though I haven't had a chance to test it yet, I feel like I should be able to run really fast. My fingernails are pearly white and shiny, even though I don't remember painting them. And my teeth look like that, too, which, being the daughter of dentists, makes me nervous. 
So it's not that I'm ungrateful, but just exactly what did you do? Um, and I'm expecting you're also wondering why you're radiating an aura of purity and innocence. I'm what? That part wasn't my idea. Honestly, please don't kill me. Hermione Granger raised her hands in front of her face, staring somewhat cross-eyed at her fingers. Harry, are you saying? I mean, my radiating innocence and being all fast and graceful, and my teeth being pearly white—is it alicorn? My fingernails are made of. Alicorn? It's the term for unicorn horn, Mister Potter. Hermione Granger seemed to be trying to nibble her fingernails and not having much luck. So I guess if you bring a girl back from the dead, she ends up as what did Daphne call it—a sparkling unicorn princess? That's not exactly what happened, though it was frighteningly close. Hermione took her finger out of her mouth, frowning at it. I can't bite through it either, Mister Potter. Did you consider the problems now that it's literally impossible for me to trim my fingernails and toenails? The Weasley twins have a magical sword that should work. I think that I would like to know the whole story behind this, Mister Potter, because knowing you and knowing Professor Quirrell, there was some sort of plan going on. Harry took a deep breath, then he exhaled. Sorry, it's classified. I could tell you if you studied occlumency, but do you want to? Do I want to study occlumency? Hermione looked slightly surprised. That's at least a sixth-year thing, isn't it? I learned it. I started with an unusual boost, but I doubt that really mattered in the long run. I mean, I'm sure you could learn calculus if you studied hard, regardless of what age Muggles usually learn it. The question is, um, Harry was having to control his breathing. The question is, do you still want to do that kind of stuff? Hermione turned and looked at where the sky was lightening in the east. You mean, do I still want to be a hero now that it's earned me a horrible death that one time? Harry nodded, then said yes because Hermione wasn't turning toward him. Though the word felt blocked in his throat, I've been thinking about that. It was, in fact, an exceptionally gruesome and painful death. I, um, I did set some things up just in case you still wanted to be a hero. There were some short windows of opportunity where I didn't have time to consult you. I couldn't let you see me because I expected you to be given veritaserum later. But if you don't like it, I can undo most of what I did, and you can just ignore the rest. Hermione nodded distantly, like making everyone think that I, Harry, did I actually do anything to you know who? No, that was all me. Though please don't tell anyone that. Just so you know, that time the boy who lived supposedly defeated Voldemort on the night of Halloween in 1981. That was Dumbledore's victory, and he let everyone think it was me. So now I've defeated a Dark Lord once and gotten credit for it once. It all balances out eventually, I guess. Hermione went on gazing to the east. I'm not really comfortable with this, she said after a while. People thinking I defeated the Dark Lord Voldemort when I haven't done anything at all. Oh, that's the same thing you went through, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry about inflicting that on you. I was, well. I was trying to create a separate identity for you in people's minds. I guess there was just the one opportunity, and everything was sort of rushed. And 
and I realized afterwards that maybe I shouldn't have, but it was too late. Harry cleared his throat. Though, um, if you're feeling like you want to do something that's actually worthy of the way people think about the girl who revived, um, I might have an idea for what you can do. Very soon, if you want. Hermione Granger was giving him a look. But you don't have to! You can just ignore this whole thing and be the best student in Ravenclaw, if that's what you prefer. Are you trying to use reverse psychology on me, Mr. Potter? No! Honestly! I'm trying not to decide your life for you. I thought I saw, yesterday, I thought I saw what might come next for you. But then I remembered how much of this year I'd spent being a total idiot. I thought of some things Dumbledore said to me. I realized it genuinely wasn't my place to say. That you could do anything you wanted with your life, and that, above all, the choice had to be your own. Maybe you don't want to be a hero after this. Maybe you want to become a great magical researcher because that's who Hermione Granger really was all along. Never mind what your fingernails are made of now. Or you could go to the Salem Witches Institute in America instead of Hogwarts. I won't lie and say I'd like that, but it really is up to you. Harry turned to the horizon and swept his hand wide, as though to indicate all the world that lay beyond Hogwarts. You can go anywhere from here. You can do anything with your life. If you want to be a wealthy 60-year-old merman, I can make it happen. I'm serious. Hermione nodded slowly. I'm curious about how you'd do that exactly, but what I want isn't to have things done for me. I understand. Um, Harry hesitated. I think, if it helps you to know, in my case, things were being arranged for me a lot. By Dumbledore mostly, though Professor Quirrell too. Maybe the power to earn your own way in life is itself something you have to earn. Why, that sounds very wise. Like having my parents pay for me to go to university so I can someday get my own job. Professor Quirrell, bringing me back to life as a sparkling unicorn princess. And you telling everyone that I off the Dark Lord Voldemort is just like that, really. I am sorry. I know I should have done it differently. But I didn't have much time to plan and I was exhausted and not really thinking straight. I'm grateful, Harry. You're being too harsh on yourself, even. Please don't take it so seriously when I'm snarky at you. I don't want to be the sort of girl who comes back from the dead and then starts complaining about which superpowers she got and that her alicorn fingernails are the wrong shade of pearly white. Hermione had turned and was again gazing off at the east. But, Mr. Potter, if I do decide that dying a horrible death isn't enough to make me rethink my life choices, not that I'm saying that just yet, then what happens next? I do my best to support you in your life choices, whatever they are. You have a quest already lined up for me, I'm guessing. A nice, safe quest where there's no chance of my getting hurt again. Harry rubbed his eyes, feeling tired inside. It was like he could hear the voice of Albus Dumbledore inside his head. Forgive me, Hermione Granger. I'm sorry, Hermione. If you go down that path, I'm going to have to Dumbledore you and not tell you some things. Manipulate you, if only for a short while. I do believe there's something you might be able to do now, something real, 
something worthy of the way people are thinking about the girl who revived, that you might have a destiny even. But in the end, that's just a guess. I know a lot less than Dumbledore did. Are you willing to risk the life you just got back? Hermione turned to look at him, her eyes widening in surprise. Risk my life? Harry didn't nod, because that would have been outright lying. Are you willing to do that? Harry said instead. The quest that I think might be your destiny, and no, I don't know any specific prophecies, it's just a guess, involves literal descent into hell type stuff. I thought... Hermione sounded uncertain. I thought for sure after this, you and Professor McGonagall wouldn't, you know, let me do anything the least bit dangerous ever again. Harry said nothing, feeling guilty about the false relationship credit he was getting. It was, in fact, the case that Hermione was modeling him with tremendous accuracy, and that if not for Hermione having a horcrux, the surface of the planet Venus would have dropped to fractional Kelvin temperatures before Harry tried this. On a scale of 0 to 100, how literal a descent into hell are we talking about here? The girl now looked a bit worried. Harry mentally calibrated his scales, remembering Azkaban. I'd say maybe 87? This sounds like something I should do when I'm older, Harry. There's a difference between being a hero and being a complete lunatic. Harry shook his head. I don't think the risk would change much leaving aside the question of how much risk that really was. And it's the sort of thing that's better done sooner, if someone does it at all. And my parents don't get a vote. Or do they? Harry shrugged. We both know how they'd vote, and you can take that into account if you like. Um, I said for Dr. and Dr. Granger not to be told yet that you're alive. They'll find out after you come back from your mission, if you choose to accept it. That seems a bit... kinder on your parents' nerves. They just get the one pleasant surprise, instead of having to worry about... um... stuff. Well, that's very thoughtful of you. It's nice that you're so concerned about their feelings. May I think about this for a few minutes, please? Harry gestured toward the cushion he'd set down opposite his own, and Hermione moved over with fluid grace and sat down to look out over the castle edge still radiating peacefulness all over the place. They'd really need to do something about that, maybe pay someone to invent an anti-purity potion. Do I have to decide without knowing what the mission is? Oh, hell no! Harry said, thinking of a similar conversation before his own trip to Azkaban. This is the sort of thing you have to choose freely if you do it at all. I mean, that's an actual mission requirement. If you say that you still want to be a hero, I'll tell you afterwards about the mission, after you've had some time to eat and talk to people and recover a bit, and you'll decide then if it's something you want to do. And we'll test in advance whether returning from death has allowed you to cast the spell that normal wizards think is impossible before you go out. Hermione nodded and fell back into silence. The sky had lightened further by the time Hermione spoke again. I'm afraid. Not of dying again. Or not just that. I'm afraid I won't be good enough. I had my chance to defeat a troll, and instead I just died. That troll was empowered by Voldemort as a weapon. Plus, he sabotaged all your magic items, just so you know. 
I died. And you killed the troll somehow. I think I remember that part. It didn't even slow you down. Hermione wasn't crying. No tears glistened on her cheeks. She simply gazed off at the lightning sky where the sun would rise. And then you brought me back from the dead as a sparkling unicorn princess. I know I couldn't have done that. I'm afraid I'll never be able to do that, no matter what people think about me. This situation is where your journey begins, I think. Excuse me, I shouldn't be trying to influence your decision. No. Hermione still gazed at the hills below her. She raised her voice. No, Harry. I want to hear this. Okay. Um, I think this is where you start. Everything that's happened up until now, it places you in the same place I started out in September, when I'd thought of myself as just being a child prodigy before, and then I found something new I needed to live up to. If you weren't comparing yourself to me and my... Adult cognitive patterns copied off Tom Riddle. Dark side, then you'd be the brightest star in Ravenclaw, who organized her own company to fight school bullies and kept her sanity under assault by Voldemort, all while she was only 12 years old. I looked it up. You got better grades than Dumbledore did in his first year. Leaving aside the defense grade, because that was just Voldemort being Voldemort. Now you have some powers and a reputation to live up to, and the world is about to hand you some difficult tasks. That's where it all begins for you, the same as it began for me. Don't sell yourself short. And then Harry shut his mouth hard because he was talking Hermione into it, and that wasn't right. He'd at least managed to stop before the part where he asked if she couldn't be a hero with all that going for her, who exactly she thought was going to do it. You know, Hermione said to the horizon, still not looking at Harry, I had a conversation like this with Professor Quirrell once, about being a hero. He was taking the other side, of course, but apart from that, this is feeling like when he argued with me somehow. Harry kept his lips pressed shut. Letting people make their own decisions was hard, because it meant they were allowed to make the wrong ones, but it still had to be done. Hermione spoke carefully, the blue fringes of her Hogwarts uniform now seeming brighter against her black robes as the sky all around them became illuminated. There were no more stars in the West. Professor Quirrell told me he said he'd been a hero once. But people weren't helping him enough, so he gave up and went off to do something more interesting. I told Professor Quirrell that it hadn't been right for him to do that. What I actually said was, that's horrible. Professor Quirrell said that, yes, maybe he was an awful person, but then what about all the other people who'd never tried to be heroes at all? Were they even worse than him? And I didn't know what to say back. I mean, it's wrong to say that only Gryffindor-style heroes are good people. Though I think from Professor Quirrell's perspective, it was more like only people with big ambitions had a right to breathe and I didn't believe that. But it also seemed wrong to stop being a hero, to walk away like he'd done. So I just stood there looking silly. But now I know what I should have told him back then. Harry controlled his breathing. Hermione stood up from her cushion and turned to face Harry. I'm done with trying to be a heroine, said Hermione Granger with the eastern sky brightening around her. I shouldn't have ever gone along with that entire line of thinking. There are just people who do what they can, whatever they can. 
and there are also people who don't even try to do what they can. And yes, those people are doing something wrong. I'm not ever going to try to be a hero again. I'm not going to think in heroic terms if I can help it. But I won't do any less than I can. Or not a lot less. I mean, I'm only human. Harry had never understood what was supposed to be mysterious about the Mona Lisa. But if he could have taken a picture of Hermione's resigned and joyous smile just then, he had the sense that he could have looked at it for hours without understanding, and that Dumbledore could have read through it at a glance. I won't learn my lesson. I will be that stupid. I'll go on trying to do most of what I can, or at least some of what I can. Oh, you know what I mean. Even if it means risking my life again, so long as it's worth the risk and isn't being, you know, actually stupid. That's my answer. Hermione took a deep breath, her face resolute. So, is there something I can do? End second part of chapter 122. Thank you to the following people. Hermione Granger, Anonymous. This chapter's original text, production notes, and attribution links along with archives and much more, can be found at hpmorpodcast.com. If you would like to learn more about the art of rationality, please visit lesswrong.com, an online community of aspiring rationalists founded by Eliezer Yudkowsky. Some sound effects used are courtesy of the Free Sound Project. Today's music is Morning Sunlight by Symphonic. Thank you for listening, and come back in two weeks for the conclusion of Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality.